0: Welcome back to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I am one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. Jay, you're in your new office.
1: I am. um, Not a lot here yet. It's just a a desk, and I threw a couple of things on the wall, but uh, yeah, it's great to have a home office again.
0: Yeah, so now, now based on your wall, you're a professional, right? Oh,
1: you're breaking up. What was that?
0: I said based on what you put up on your wall, now you're a music professional. (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, so we got a special guest joining us today.
1: Yes, we do. Um, Dax Kimbrough and I worked together at Universal years ago, and we've uh, remained friends. And he um, he teaches uh, uh, a music business curriculum at uh, USC. Um, And I'll let him tell you a little bit about that, but uh, I've had the pleasure of uh, joining him in his classroom uh, a couple of times, and it was very enlightening. I think I learned as much, if not more, than the uh, students there, but uh, Dax, welcome.
2: Thanks for having me today.
1: So Dax, tell us a little bit about what you do at USC. You're a professor there, correct?
2: Yeah, I'm an adjunct professor at USC. I've taught there for about five years. I've taught a couple of music business courses. I taught a economics of music. Um, and currently I teach uh, music marketing, branding, and strategic partnerships.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, one of the things I wanted to kind of touch on this morning is, you know, this is a new music business. And we talk about this all the time. You know, it's not the business you and I grew up in or that, you know, Michael grew up in. It's, it's a whole new thing with, you know, internet radio and streaming and, and the, the decline of downloading and, you know, uh, the slight rise in vinyl and some of these things. What I found fascinating with your class was the different directions your students are going in in this new music business can you kind of speak to some of the different areas that some of your students are pursuing in music compared to maybe the old music business
2: sure i think when um you know when we look at the students they They come from a different generation, not only from a music business, but just a different human generation. And they grew up with technology. They're technology natives. They don't remember a world before the internet. They don't remember a world before cell phones. Um, They don't really remember vinyl. They just see them at um, at, uh, Urban Outfitters. Um, (laughs) But the great thing is, is with all that technology, they have the ability to create their own businesses. They have the ability to market their own music. Um, and that's never been, that's never been possible before. You know, in the past you had to go to a traditional label and go through the system to get your music distributed out in the world. And now the students could do it from their fingertips. Um, and I have a class of about 60 students about, I'd say about half want to be in the music business. They want to be managers, touring specialists, um, marketing people, um, and the other half are artists. And each of those, each of those segments, um, allows them the ability with technology to build their own businesses. So I have students that have clothing brands, YouTube channels, YouTube aggregators, where they aggregate all different kinds of music. Um, I have students who are making independent films and licensing music from the big, uh, the big music companies. Um, I have... Uh, students that are managing other bands already they 're managing bands on campus um, they 're talking about branding and how to position them and they 're talking about distribution and licensing and um, you know how to even how to how to license a cover song and 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 all that so you know with the technology it gives them the the freedom to market music in a different way and because they come yeah. from a different generation they don 't have the same kind of barriers that we did for instance you know when we when we grew up you know, it's like oh you go to school you work really hard you go to college you get a job you retire that model doesn't work anymore and those students understand that and so they're out there they have no they have no fear they have no, uh, no sense of boundaries of, of uh, the limitations that we experience they're just out there doing it all it's really really inspiring yeah. and amazing
0: Dax, are you seeing that they are coming in with a lot of knowledge already? Meaning, you know, because of the internet, because of being able to do stuff themselves, they've been able to learn a lot about the business on their own. As opposed to like when, when, when we grew up, it's like um, if you want to understand a record label, well, the only way you're going to understand that is if you actually got a job working at a record label.
2: Yeah, that's totally, totally true. Um, they come in, they know a great deal. And, you know, I guess in the past, traditionally, a professor would be the expert and students would come and they would, you know, there would be a lecture, and they would take notes and they would try to learn things. Now it's more a collaborative process where I'm actually facilitating the learning and trying to, um, you know, mix it in with other students to kind of cross-pollinate their knowledge but they, know more, yeah. than, they more, know more than most people. I'll give you a quick antidote, and I'll leave the names out to, um, to protect the innocent. I don't know, maybe a year ago, a student asked me a very complicated question about fair use. And um, fair use is not my specialty. I'm not a music attorney. But I kind of I winged it. I kind of answered the question, and I said, well, I think this is it. And I kept going on throughout the lecture. About 90 seconds later this girl in the front row, who is the girl in the front row in every class, raises her hand and says, I just looked it up on Google and you're wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and yeah. your, and your reply was, that's not how you get an A in class. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and the thing about it was, is of course, I was a little bit embarrassed and probably turned a couple of shades of red. But I thought to myself, in this age and College students, because they have technology at their fingertips, she, she said that not to prove me wrong or to prove a point. She just wanted to say that that was incorrect because she had the world at her fingertips and she could look up anything she wanted. Yeah, it on wasn't May. personal. No, it wasn't personal at all. And she didn't, I don't think she realized um, you know, kind of what she said and the, the emotional impact it would have on somebody. But she, was, um, you know, she just looked it up and said, you know, I looked it up and you're incorrect. So I mean to, to that goes back to answering your question they know a great deal I mean you know I got students in class that are running their own businesses they're doing independent films they're talking about licensing and terms and in use and master and composition and you know they they yeah. they have a really you know really quite knowledgeable um you know intellect yeah. about how to put how to some music. Better. Yeah, and
1: I think you need to learn how to walk before you can learn how to run, right? I mean, what I thought was interesting, you know, observing your class was that, yes, they were very savvy, and some of the questions were really good, but there was also some missing knowledge about where we came from, and you would bring them up to speed. I mean, the reason <clears throat> we do things the way we do in the music business is isn't, you know, we just didn't start doing them. They evolved over time. And I think that's something that you can offer them as well as the new technologies is to show them this is how the industry started. And this is why it is the way it is. And this is why it's uh, contracted so much over the last few years. And, you know, I, I think you can offer a lot in kind of showing them where, you know, how we got here.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, to, to your point, you know, walk before you run, you know, they are, they are ambitious. They have the tools, um, but they don't have the wisdom. And so, um,
1: or the experience
2: or the experience and they don't quite have the, the full understanding of how the music business works. And, you know, as you said, we've, we've come up at it and worked in a long time and had thousands and thousands of conversations about marketing or music legal um, <clears throat> or distribution or sales or digital music. So, you know, we sure. have the ability to to draw on, you know, <laughs> decades yeah. of experience um, yeah. that can help fill in those gaps where there's those knowledge breaks because they, um, you know, they have the knowledge breaks but they may not, they may miss a couple of steps. Um yeah. And, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, make a mistake.
0: When, when, Are when there when, any? When they're, coming in, when they're coming in with so much knowledge in advance, and it, and it seems like what you're kind of alluding to now is they're looking for the real world experience of what that knowledge really means. Um, and, and as we know, and as anybody who's been in this industry for, for many years knows, um, a lot of times mm. things don't happen for the right reason, the obvious reason, the correct reason. Things happen for reasons that you scratch your head and go, um, okay, that's just the reason. So I guess what I'm getting to is is in your class, are you kind of trying to impart some of that to them to say, yeah, this is the absolute best practice, but you know, best practices are not exactly what you're going to encounter day in and day out in this business. You're going to have to be able to deal with people who do things that are the worst practice, but they do it for reasons that are completely different than your knowledge says is, is correct. I mean, does, this make, does that make sense to you?
2: I think so. I think, um, I think so, and I'll talk a little bit about kind of their attitude is the um, since most of them are musicians, or I said half, and the other ones are in the music business, mm. you know, just to study the business part of it, Um, they are really artist focused and they really, um, they really respect artistry and musicianship and they really try to make the best decisions for themselves or their artists. You know, I get lots of, you know, questions of myself and other guest speakers about, well, do I get to own my content? And that's, that's a different question than 10 years ago. Um, you know, who owns my content? What do I do with it? So you know, they, they are, to answer your question, you know, they're looking, they're looking at the business a different way, you know, and because it's changing so dramatically and so rapidly now that, um, you know, I, I guess I'm looking at it. There's no right way or wrong way. There's a new way because everything is evolving so quickly now that, you know, there's a little, there's a little bit of confusion out there in the marketplace and, you know, there's people in the music business that are struggling, but ultimately whoever can figure this out and it will be figured out will be very, very, very successful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How, how do, you, uh, how, do you have how, any projects that you guys are working on or that you have worked on as a unit or is everything kind of done, you know, you have your lesson plan and you walk through it. Do you guys ever do projects as a
2: class? Sure. Um, um, an example of that is... Um, Last fall, uh, Red Bull Music had a, um, a big music initiative here in Los Angeles called 30 Days in L.A., and they hosted 30 concerts throughout Los Angeles through the month of, I think it was November. Um, and we partnered up with Red Bull. We broke all the students into teams, and we had them really evaluate an artist. So there was all these indie artists and smaller artists and some mid-level artists And they, um, they broke up into teams and they were responsible for kind of looking at everything from their, um, from their branding to their tone of voice, to their social media presence, you know, video presence, YouTube, how they use social networks, um, how their live show was, demographics of consumers, what consumers were buying, what were they reacting to? We looked at SoundScan and BDS and, and social media metrics. So. You know, we use that as a real-world example to to enable students to, you know, apply all they've learned and look at it in a real-world setting. Sure. Oh That's super cool.
0: How do you, kind of getting back to what I was, I was asking, how do you teach street smarts versus book smarts?
2: That's an interesting question. Um, you know, I think in the music business there is, yeah, there is some book smart stuff, you know, whether you're a, you know, a music attorney or, you know, somebody who's in business affairs where there's very stringent rules. Um, I teach them to really focus in on a couple of core principles. You know, what's best for the artist long term, what we think can be successful, what we think can be successful for the artist that could, and that can be monetarily, but that can be other things, um, but really try to teach them the foundations of of good decision making and really listening to what's going on in the room or in conversations or in the marketplace to make decisions that may have a foundation in you know book smarts, uh, but at the same time you know apply real world applications because in you know you say book smarts there really is no textbook there's no textbook right. for my class there's no there's no, uh, there's no textbook uh, you know, there's,
0: for the music industry, <coughs> really.
2: No, the the closest thing is all you need to know about the music business, which is an edition fifty-eight, probably by now. Um, but um, yeah, you know, there's no, there's no textbook, so there really isn't any book smarts. It's really teaching them the foundations and the, and the you know the kind of the benchmarks of what's going on in the business, and have them you know right. make up their own solutions from there.
1: Yeah, and as you said, it's <clears throat> it's dynamic, it's evolving. Um, Michael and I see this as well. It's it's not just month to month now. It's almost week to week. You know, we know there's a lot of acquisitions going on and mergers, and the the industry is changing. Um, you know, you see companies like you know Pandora having issues. You you see you know SoundCloud, who's an amazing company and have been so solid in what they do. Now, of course, you know they just launched as a streaming service, which we'll talk about on another episode, but you know, it's a crowded field. I guess the question I'm uh, coming to is you said about half your class is, you know musicians or performers or artists or w- people who want to be. What's your sense in when you talk to them? Um, are are they looking at selling music as their, primary source of income or are they looking at more of a broader picture of you know, licensing, touring, you know, just a piecemeal of a lot of different revenue streams? Um,
2: Because I, excuse me, because I teach a music marketing class and it's about strategic partnerships and branding. um, Most of the students that come to that class kind of have that slant. So my, my answer is really colored by the students who take my class, which is a very specific um, group. Um, But to answer your question, they're looking at artists really as a whole brand. And with that brand uh, comes monetization from different sources that can include music, (laughs) that can include music, licensing, merch, touring, uh, endorsements, appearances. You know, there's, there's different ways. So, as music has um, changed in value, a lot of people have said, "No, well, music's being devalued." I don't think that's the case. I just think the value has shifted to somewhere else. Um, ultimately, it's under the artist because the artist creates the art and creates the music. So I just think that value has gone in other ways. So you know, a lot of them look at music as you know a marketing a marketing piece to a larger goal, whether that's selling merch or Selling concert tickets or licensing on shows, um, you know they're really looking at looking at it a different way. And you know, to your to your kind of the earlier part of your question, you know, all these services, whether it's Spotify or Pandora or Tidal or iTunes or YouTube um, YouTube Music, you know, just a little bit of um, turmoil in the business right now because there's all these people vying for consumers and purchasing you know, other companies and trying to edge out on other companies. And I think that's actually a really good thing. I think that's a great time for innovation um, because, you know, each of these services has their own little take on something and they create something different. You know, Pandora, you know, started out as you know a great music discovery platform and recommendation engine and can really, you know, turn you on to some new music. And then Spotify came along where you could, you could, you could, you know, collect whatever you want. You know, you could listen to anything you want on demand, but you know, they've gotten to the recommendation engine as well with the discovery music playlist, the weekly discovery playlist, which is absolutely awesome. Yeah,
1: um, we, we've talked about it. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I think it's great. So all those things is um, all those, all those changes has just become a greater opportunity for, you know, these young professionals that are going into the music business. What, is,
0: what, what is your class's opinion on streaming services? You know, they're, they're, they're coming in, like you said, as either people who want to get into the business or they're as artists. And surely they've been paying attention to all of the back and forth about streaming and artist payments and everything. What, what, what are their, what's their feeling on this? Well, um,
2: but before you can, can you, can you, move,
0: can you move your camera up a little bit? pointed it up. Oh, sure. There we go. Perfect. There we go. Better?
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> their, their opinion is, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different opinions in the room, um, uh, because they are, you know, music aficionados. You know, a lot of them are partial to SoundCloud because they're into, you know, new bands and discovering new stuff. Um, You know, they tend to use, they tend to use Spotify and Apple. You know, they don't really use Pandora all that much because, um, it's not, it's not, uh, specific enough for them. Too passive Um, maybe. Yeah. And I think that, um, but they all look at it as an opportunity, you know, to, to, um, well, let me step back. So, most of them have gravitated towards these streaming services, which is a good thing from piracy because all these streaming services make it really easy to, to, uh, to consume music. So they've all migrated to them, and most of them use you know, legitimate services. Um, they do. Uh, they have been really well educated, and they really they do have a sense of you know the revenue potential or. The moderate revenue potential of streaming services in comparison with buying, you know, physical physical goods, um, so it it does concern them because they don't see the contrast like we have. They don't really yeah. see it as quite as quite as a dramatic difference. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, they're aware of it.
1: Are they optimistic, Dax? I mean, you you deal with these you talk to them you have for years <clears throat> so you kind of hear them in class you hear them the chatter before and after class and i'm sure you've had you know one-on-ones with them what what's your general sense cuz the reason i ask is there there seems to be a couple of camps these days people who are just maybe afraid of the new music business they're they're just horrified of either losing their jobs or having their art um, you know, harder to find or they don't feel like they can monetize it. But I kind of got the sense in just a couple of times that, you know, I spoke with your, your class that there was a more optimism than I see, you know, in, in the business day to day. Are you sensing that?
2: Yeah, they have a lot more optimism, um, you know, because they – you know, they're still in school. Um, they have all the tools. They're really excited about music and they really want to work with artists and they talk about music all the time. And, you know, that kind of passion is really, um, is really great to be around. Um, you know, there are those that say the music business is in trouble and, you know, some, some doom and gloom naysayers. I mean, I look at it as an opportunity. I think, you know, you have that passion. They have the technology skills and, you know, people about lose worried about losing their jobs, which is fair, but there will be new jobs created. There will be different kinds of jobs created for this next generation of music business professionals yeah. that we can't even imagine. Um, so, you know, what I try to do is teach them the foundation, the basics of, you know, marketing and branding and some of the economics And let them take that knowledge and their skills and their tools and their passion and create new jobs and new opportunities.
0: Yeah. Dax, is there anything that they are really concerned about right now?
2: Um, I'm going to. Sorry for the delay. Um, That's okay. They, they don't seem to be concerned about that much. To be fair, um, they are very, uh, very determined, very passionate, um, engaged students and a generation. And so they they look at the world as new, and they look at opportunities and the way that they can navigate the world. Um, so. I don't. I don't hear much of their concerns. So, By
0: saying they're not concerned, that's actually a, a a good statement. It's not that they. It's not that they don't care. It's just there's nothing out there that overly concerns them. As you said, they're very optimistic. They they see everything as a great potential.
2: Yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, you know, because they're. I mean, they're creating businesses in college. I mean. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I went to college, you would you would just go to college and now thirty percent of my students have businesses already. That's awesome. You know,
1: they're seeing it through fresh eyes too. And nothing against the three people having this discussion here today, but we're a product of our you know, our experience, you know, and they don't have those experiences. So they're not afraid of anything. They're, they're ready to go out and change the world, and I'm confident that some of them will.
2: Yeah, I think they will. I absolutely think they will, because there's a lot of really, really bright students. I mean, I've had some remarkable students that have gone on to do other things. I can't reveal their names, but you know, they've done some sure. really remarkable things.
1: Have you had any artists come in and speak to the class?
2: Yeah, but it's not really that great of a story. You might want to edit that question. <laughs> <out. Okay. laughs> I'm not, just wondering if
1: nice. you know if there was some wisdom to impart by either DIY artists or maybe, you know, someone who's been around forever, because I'm finding that you can't just paint everybody with a broad stroke. You can't just say because you're a classic or heritage artist that you're not hip to digital. In the same, you know, Discussion. You can't say that just because you're a young new artist, you're hip to everything. I'm finding that it's all over the map, and I think it'd be interesting to have those conversations because it's really interesting when you speak to artists now. The holes in their education, things that they think they know or they think they understand about this new music business, that they're just mistaken or they've just read some article. And I think we all know that when, like, you know, I I curate you know music business articles and i find so many of them that have these sensational headlines and then you read it's like clickbait you know and then the actual story there's not a lot of substance to it they're just trying to draw you to their service you know i'm i'm a musician and i got a million streams and i made five dollars you know that sort of thing and i see so much of that and i it's like the younger people kind of tend to see through that bullshit in general but uh, you know I've been working with some folks that are maybe uh, a little older that are are pretty savvy too. you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I think you know and to that to that end you know the sensational headlines and the clickbait and you know the the negative attitude is you know people if you have a negative attitude, you're going to look for information that reinforces your belief. So if your belief right. is that everything is doom and gloom, you're gonna look at all those stories and go, Yes, that's true. It's really doom and gloom. But if you have a different <laughs> attitude and you have an optimistic attitude, you're gonna you're gonna push those things aside and say, Well, some people are I negative, agree. but I'm I gonna agree. look at the good stuff. So Yeah, you know, that's that's Yeah, yeah, that's yeah I agree. Person.
1: It's like those uh you know, the political ads on your, you know, Facebook uh, feed, you know, they don't change anybody's mind ever. They're just reinforcing your views to the people who believe what you believe? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, I just lost my question. It just fell out of my head. <laughs> anything coming up,
1: Dax? I mean, is there any anything with with you and with your uh, with your class? Do you guys have any projects coming up? Is are you? at a point where you start with maybe the history and you kind of go through things and now you're at a a certain point. What's going on with you and your class?
2: Well, um, this class has been going on for about mm, two and a half years. It was planned about five years ago and got kind of sidetracked for some different reasons. Um, But the, um, the class has been going on for about two and a half years and since you're talking about marketing branding and strategic partnerships there's no shortage of things to talk about and so it's really about focus because you could talk about this for you know hours sure. and hours and hours and hours and hours, sure. hours. best practices um, yeah, yeah i mean you could really it's really it's such a broad topic and such an interesting topic yeah um, and i imagine you see different things every
1: day right i mean you can't just say you know brand marketing because It just seems like every few months there's some new take where you're like, "Wow, I wish I would have thought of that." Somebody twists it up a little bit, right?
2: Yeah, there's something there's something new every day, and so you know the students are, you know, bringing in examples and and talking about different things I've seen in the marketplace, and you know we talk about music and show examples and you know really try to apply some real world, um, you know, knowledge to what's going on out there. But it's such a it's such an exciting time because there's so many different opportunities yeah. now. Yeah. Are now there any ours?
1: examples that you can think of where, where people are doing it right? Sorry, Michael. No, I was, just,
0: I was just going to say that that was exactly where I wanted to go with this. Do you have real-world examples that you discuss? You know, artist XYZ just dropped their new album and this is how they did it. Or so-and-so's in the press, but it's the typical trying to start fights with somebody else in another genre. Do you look at stuff like that and go, all right, let's discuss it. Is it effective? Is it working? Is that a valid technique? Is, are there things where, as a class, you guys were like, yes, thumbs up. That was original, imaginative, and succeeded. And were there a, was there a thumbs down where you're like, come on, that's just, we can see right through that. We know exactly what you're trying to do with that marketing effort.
2: Yeah, I'll try to give you a couple of examples. Um, You know, we we've covered Twitter a lot, and we look at all the Twitter, the Twitter wars between artists and people trash talking, and um, you know they they look at it differently. You know, we we probably look at it with a little bit of a colored lens. Like, why would you say not nice things to people, and why would they be fighting in public? And they don't even think about that. They look at the opportunity to create, you know, a voice. Um, for those artists and that they look at it as part of their brand. You know, they, they really respect people like Kanye West and what he's doing and the things he says, um, regardless of, you know, my view on it. So they really look at it very differently. Um, some other examples of just, you know, unique marketing, we talked about it last night that um, the latest Justin Bieber album, he made 12 videos at once, released, them, um, I think 12 or 13, Correct me if I'm wrong. He made 12 videos at once for his for his uh, new album, released them all on YouTube at once, and ended up charting, I think, eleven singles in the top fifty the week he came out. You know, so that's a new take, and that's the way technology has evolved that you could release twelve videos at once and people could consume them on demand. Whereas before, you know, you have to sit in front of the TV and wait for a Justin Bieber, you know, video to come on. Um, so those are some recent examples. Yeah.
1: That's, that's a good example because it wouldn't be that long ago that if that was suggested at one of our marketing meetings, Dax, we would have went, no, you want to stagger that you want to, you know, it it sounds, you know, when you hear it, it sounds crazy. But our, our buddy Jeff Moscow always said, you know, it's, it's always a stupid idea until somebody does it and it's successful.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think in the, in the past technology has made everything Quicker, faster, more temporal, and more more. Sure. Slow. So, you know, if you're not in the public zeitgeist for a couple of weeks, you're kind of irrelevant. There's no really long term um, marketing pushes. I mean, from a long term brand, that's different. But for marketing events, you know, it's really uh, it's really temporal. I mean, you think about all the things we've seen on the internet. You know, the the thing of the week and what happened on the internet this week, and everybody's talking about. it, and Then three weeks later. Yeah. Forgotten, you've forgotten. So yeah. you know, there's so much noise that you have to be louder, and you have to do interesting, creative things to break yeah. through that noise. Well,
1: well. Speaking of that, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, kind of a, it's not really that new, but it's certainly picking up steam, is what a lot of people are calling influencer marketing, where they go after people who get a lot of eyeballs, whether it's a YouTube star. Let's let's start there and just say, you know, there's there's a couple of handfuls of people who get a ton of views, you know, on YouTube, whether it's instructional videos, whether it's, you know, the PewDiePies of the world, whatever it is. But now with influencer marketing, these companies are going in there and having them play their music in the background or wear their t-shirt, you know, like product placement, or picking up the vinyl and going, Hey, this is my vinyl pick of the week, you know, that sort of thing. Is your class discussing any of those things? H- have you had those kinds of discussions about influencer marketing?
2: A lot, actually. And we just talked. Class was last night, and we talked a lot about YouTube, and had someone from YouTube come in and speak. And oh, cool. we talked. And we talked a lot about you know the cross-pollination of channels, and you know how collaborations are successful, and how you know collaborations can cross-pollinate one fan base with another. Um, which gives exactly. you exponential more exposure to you know to the to the other artists, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, down to Instagram and, and these Instagram stars that have you know millions of followers, or YouTube stars that have millions of subscribers. You know, those are the new marketing channels. Um, millennials, you know, my college students, they don't really watch TV, um, and so that's not a great source. They don't read magazines; um, they're on the internet all the time. On their phones, on their computers, all the time. And so you have to go where their eyeballs are and that's where their mm-hmm. eyeballs are. There, It's influencer marketing, social media, YouTube, they're in those spaces. Sure.
0: Sure. What have you discussed, you know, and, and I think influencer marketing is, is great, but I think it's going to be one of these things where um, like every great marketing initiative, it's going to Someone's going to take it too far, and then it's going to destroy its effectiveness. So have you talked about how, all right, being an influencer is great, but once you start becoming a an influencer who is influenced, you start losing your credibility.
2: I think that's true. I think, um, I think a couple of things. I think because there are so many influencer marketers now that there will be a subset that will go too far. And they'll just become irrelevant, and the next wave will come on board. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't foresee, I don't foresee being a wholesale change. I think it's actually going to get bigger, um, and because influencer marketing is very specific and very one to one, and a a connection between the influencer and the viewer or the consumer, that is, it's built through trust. And so, you know, you hear a lot of these influencers talking about, well, my fans don't really like that, or my fans don't respect that, or I wouldn't endorse that brand because my fans wouldn't know. I wouldn't showcase that brand. So the influencers actually make a lot of decisions to protect their brands and protect, protect the sanctity of, of, you know, the relationship yeah. and not technically sell out. Um, but the ones that do, consumers really see right through that. And I think, um, you know, they, they, they realize that it's more of a, Uh, A commercial than a product placement but at the same time you know um, you know these the the new consumers probably aren't as sensitive to that quote selling out as we were they look at the association with brands as being a sign of relevancy so they say well that well that makes you relevant because you're doing stuff with this brand and that brand and that brand and yeah no that's it's a different take than it really uh, is different
1: yeah, you're yeah. right. It's a totally different take. When you and I were listening to MTV back in the day, when they played music, remember Neil Young? You know, lashed out against people who were doing product placement, and you know, nowadays it's it's a key part of your business strategy as a musician to be in commercials, TV shows, movies. You know, that people that's very valuable, and it wasn't that long ago that that was frowned upon. You know, product placement. Is an art form, and and to your point, if you're identifying yourself with a hip brand and you want to be a hip brand, there's an art form to that, and both sides can be beneficial. But if you're just selling out, you know, for cash, and you're holding up a can of Coke, um, nothing against Coke, but you know, <laughs> if that's not consistent with your brand, then I think you're absolutely right. I think that can do damage to your brand.
2: Yeah, I mean the the. the the, uh, the people like Neil Young, they don't really have that, there's not that voice anymore. I mean, there's of, of that platform. There are voices that say, you know, people are selling out and corporations are evil and don't, you know, don't advertise products. But, um, you know, they are a minority in the day where, you know, I think for better or for worse, I think musicians now have become more entertainment and entertainers. And with becoming more entertaining and becoming entertainers, there are different things that go along with that, commercials and product placement and TV shows and licensing. Whereas I would think, I would say, you know, in the past, you know, up until the 80s, you know, they were artists. They wanted to make music, and they recorded music, and people bought their recorded music, and that's how they made their money. Those days are over because of, you know, how the economics have changed. Sure. Um,
0: Dax, where can... um where can our listeners find you online?
2: Uh, they can find me on Twitter at DAX1. It's D-A-X-O-N-E.
0: Do you have a website? Is there, is there, no, is there a no. place where they can, if someone's interested in your course, I mean, where would they get information on that?
2: Uh, well, they're interested the course, you'd have to be enrolled at USC. Okay. Uh, um, but you can go to usc.edu and look under the Music Industry Program, which has a, an unbelievable variety of really cool music industry classes. Um, it's a really unique program and a rare program in the world um, that really teaches all the different aspects of the music business. So you can go at usc.edu or you can find me at daxone, D-A-X-O-N-E.
1: So what's, what's next for Mr. Dax Kimbrough? What, what other irons do you have in the fire? What's going on with you?
2: Well, uh, well, I'm doing a couple things. One, you know, I I will continue to teach. Um, You know, I still consult with some artists from time to time. Some heritage artists that, that I've become friends with that call me for advice on the new, the new music business. Um, And then um, I'm actually a managing partner in a uh, TV production, VR studio here in Los Angeles. So we make commercials and, and VR experiences for brands, the full immersion, you know, uh, experience where you put on the VR headset and you're, you're in it. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Dax, this was well, an we, awesome conversation.
1: Yeah, r- super interesting. Um, great talking with you, Dax, and we really appreciate you taking the time um, to, to come on, and hopefully you can uh, come on again sometime. I, I would love to dig a little deeper you know, into some of the, the brand marketing because it's evolving, it's changing, and I think it's really exciting, and I think people who are doing it right are going to find uh, a lot of
2: success. Well, thank you for your time and thanks for having me on and I totally agree with you. I think there's a lot of success to be around the corner um, in yeah. this new music business. So thanks for your time.
0: Thanks,
1: Dax. Cool. Thanks, man. That
0: was such a fun conversation. It was it was kind of, it was cool getting the insight from somebody who's talking to the quote next generation yeah, of absolutely. music industry executives and artists. And, yeah. you know, where where's their head at right now?
1: Yeah, I had the pleasure of sitting down you know, two or three times and speaking with his class. And what really struck me was the questions that they were ask, asking were so insightful. And they really caused you to stop and think. <clears throat> and I felt like these kids, well, you know, uh, yeah, they're young, but they're, they're young adults. And um, they know what they want. And they're hungry for knowledge. And it's going to be exciting to kind of see how some of these folks move forward. In fact, um, in my consulting business, my intern is from Dax's class, and she's ridiculous. I mean, she's got three or four companies going on as well as interning for me. And I think I learn as much from her as she learns from me. Um, So the other part of this discussion I thought was super interesting is kind of the influencer marketing um, the branding, you know, those brand partnerships that I think some people maybe don't think about primarily, and they probably should. And look, influencer marketing is, it's like the old, uh, advertising joke. You know, half of my advertising doesn't work. I just don't know what half. And it's the same with this influencer marketing. You may put thousands of dollars behind putting your music in one of these videos or having the internet, the YouTube star talk about your artist. That doesn't guarantee that they're, it's going to connect. So, you know, take that, you know, with a grain of salt, but it is something that's picking up steam. It is something that people are using more and more of. Um, and I think with the, the brand partnerships, that's always been, you know, that's been going on for a long, long time. But what I love about it is seeing how people do a different take on it, you know? And that's, that's kind of an exciting thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a client who worked with an influencer marketing company how did that go positively Um, or uh, very mixed um you know they they the influencer marketing company got them a lot of exposure Mm -hmm. but a lot of of exposure to the wrong target market Mm. um which always leads me back to as as a musician as an artist you can't be afraid to ask questions and to question what somebody is doing on your behalf. Um, yeah and maybe get a second opinion because not a second opinion but or or, or just, you know, if if your gut is saying, Hmm, I'm not sure about that, well then bring it up and ask because
1: Yeah, good point.
0: um, you know, at the end of the day, they again they got a lot of eyeballs, a lot of exposure, but it was to an audience that down the road isn't going to come back to them so yeah, they, the, 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 to the the influencer wasn't the right influencer is what it comes down to that's Good. what you know when it comes to influencer okay. marketing you have to be aware of and and we we talked about that you know some of these influencers will go well that's not right for my audience i can't talk about that Others Mm -hmm. are going to not question it one bit, and others are just going to say, great, give me this large check, and I'm going to say the three things I'm required to say, and Mm -hmm. I'm done. Um,
1: Yeah, but you don't want to damage that brand, right? You want that integrity, and you can promote products. I mean, some of our favorite artists do it all the time, but you have to do it with – a little intelligence.
0: Yeah, the, the the influencer has to be genuine and honest about it. But if, if you are cutting the deal with the influencer, you need to sit here and go, well, okay, who are the people that you're going to be talking to? Well, I'm a heritage rock act, and I know my audience is 40-year-old-plus people, and your audience is 13 years old? Why that's not going to do me any good. Yeah, you're going yeah, to be able think to say it, think it through. You're going to you're going to get me a lot of retweets, a lot of looks, whatever their metrics are, but at the end of the day, does that metrics translate? So, you know, all of this is Agreed. new and evolving. So, don't mm-hmm. just believe the testimonials on websites, don't just believe the pitch decks. Ask these you got to ask a lot of questions. Yeah. To get to get yeah. the best the best results out of this stuff and, yeah, and believe agreed. me I, th- I think influencer marketing is fabulous I think it makes complete sense um, But if again, done right you know you gotta find the right influencer
1: yeah agreed yeah good discussion yeah, that was interesting
0: discussion. and um, I think next week we're gonna talk about our I think we should our views on the new SoundCloud subscription service we'll give ourselves a week yeah. to play with it
1: yeah, yeah, maybe go out there and if you haven't checked it out, folks, go go take take a look. There's a 30-day free trial if you want, but if you haven't heard the news, SoundCloud launched a subscription service called Go. Um, go check it out.
0: Go go check it out and that way when we talk about it next week, <coughs> you'll you'll be prepared. We'll, we'll we're going to give it a week of uh, living with it to see how it how it works.
1: Fair enough. Good.
0: All right. That's it, guys. Until next All right. week. Take care.
2: See you later.